Welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed, science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Adrian Chavez. And in this episode, I want to switch it up a little bit. So in this episode, I'm going to tell a story. And this is my own personal story. And the reason that I want to tell it is because I think it's going to help some of you who may be on a similar journey, just kind of understand better why I do some of the things that I do. And then overall, just help some of you understand what got me into this field and why I'm so passionate about certain things that I am passionate about and speak out about quite often. So without further ado, I want to just go ahead and jump into it. I want to keep this episode pretty brief and just get through some of the background of how I got into this field. So when I was a graduate student, so I got my bachelor's degree in exercise science. I was getting a master's degree in exercise science as well. And my intent was to get a PhD in a similar field, exercise physiology, biomechanics. And I wanted to train athletes. Like that was something that I had really been interested in. That was what I was trying to build my career path on. What happened though, while I was doing my PhD is number one, I took a class in public health nutrition, I think is what it was called, or public health disparities or something along those lines. And we had to write about the biggest health problems in society and then also like the risk factors and things that we could do in order to improve those things. And in that class, I realized that nutrition and exercise, although I had primarily been focused on these topics as from a performance standpoint. So I was interested in nutrition and reading a lot about nutrition at that point, but mainly from a body composition performance standpoint. And what happened during this class was I realized that a lot of the information that I had learned, a lot of the physiology and biochemistry and things that I understood could be applied to a different topic. And this topic, in my opinion, it was compelling for me, like helping people to improve their health, prevent chronic disease, that seemed more important to me than helping people get better at sports. And nothing wrong with the latter. I'm still incredibly passionate about, you know, that side of things and it still really interests me. But that was kind of step one of getting me to think about nutrition in a different way. And step two was my own health journey. So during this time, while I was in graduate school, I developed some digestive issues. So I was feeling like a lot of pain, upper GI pain, just discomfort. It kind of came on fairly rapidly and it was going on for a couple of weeks. I went to a doctor. The doctor immediately put me on what's called antibiotic triple therapy. That's treatment for H. pylori and a stomach ulcer because all of my symptoms lined up with that. That didn't help. And so that actually made me worse. My digestive issues got worse over the next couple of weeks. Things were worse off than they were before. And I realized that whatever that doctor thought was going on was probably not correct. So went back to him. He referred me to a GI doc. So that was a primary care doc, got referred to a GI doc. Asked the first doctor, hey, does nutrition play a role? I was told no. Went to see a GI doc. Same thing. I had a discussion with them. They said that it was likely that I had an ulcer that they would have to do an endoscopy, which is where they put a tube down your throat and check and to confirm that. And that was kind of the discussion that we had. And I asked them too, does nutrition, lifestyle, do any of these factors play a role? Can that you know be used to help? 
I was told no there as well. And so uh, I left that meeting pretty discouraged. I was told that I could get a tube stuck down my throat and pay a few thousand dollars out of pocket for that. And that was really like my only option. And there wasn't really, you know, any great treatment after that. So I started to read and I went online and tried to find any information that I could on this topic. So I'm a studious person by nature. I was doing a master's degree at the time and I was familiar with research and things like that, but I just went anywhere I, I could find information. So I was browsing sites and all over the place, Google, how to cure a stomach ulcer, blah, blah, blah. I found out that this was likely the result of me being prescribed a high dose of ibuprofen during high school. I took it throughout college. I just kept getting a refill on the prescription because it was helping with my knee pain because I played basketball and never really trained or stretched or recovered properly. And so I had chronic knee pain and I was just given a high dose ibuprofen as a teenager and told, Hey, take this, it's going to help. And so I just kept taking it. And so at that point I wasn't taking it every day, but I was still taking it occasionally when I was feeling more pain. And I realized that that was probably one of the major factors that contributed to my GI issue. Unfortunately, neither doctor really spoke to me about that. And this also started for me or perpetuated for me an extreme anti-pharma, anti-doctor, anti-medicine narrative in my head. And I was very susceptible to those messages online. So when I would go search for things and people would say, oh, doctors are just out to harm you. You know, we have a solution. I was all ears because at that point they hadn't helped me and they had made me worse. And it was a medication that started this whole process in the beginning and there was no communication there and there wasn't a thorough history of my medication use or anything like that. Neither doctor really paid too much attention to it or mentioned it to me. And so at that point, I was very anti-pharma, anti-Western you know, Western medicine, and I was open to any other option, anything that I could do to improve my digestive symptoms. At that point, I was eating a very high protein, very low plant food diet where it was just mainly focused on body composition. I was eating 200 plus grams of protein per day, lots of chicken, protein powders, eggs, low fat dairy and carbs and not a lot of plant foods. And so what I did during this period of time is I dramatically changed my diet because I thought it's a digestive thing. Diet may play a role. So I changed my diet went from this higher protein type of diet to a more plant-centric diet. So started having salads almost every day, started reducing my overall meat consumption. And within a couple of months, like I think it was like six to eight weeks, my symptoms were almost gone. And this was something I dealt with for months. And that was a turning point for me for two things. Number one, I was completely basically against big pharma and pharmaceuticals at that time. Doctors, pharmaceuticals, like for a period of time after that, I didn't see a doctor for probably 10 years, unless it was like an emergency, which I don't think ever really happened, except like you know, I got stitches one time. But I was super jaded by the, by the Western medicine, and I was completely open to alternative health stuff. And because I had read things, I had read that, you know, eating less protein, eating less animal protein 
eating certain quote unquote alkaline foods were going to help. And by me dramatically changing my diet, it helped. So a lot of the in places that I gathered information from, although they weren't credible, I believe the information because I had a personal experience that helped me when other other avenues didn't. And so for me, this was a point of quote unquote indoctrination into the whole alternative health and you know wellness industries. And from there, I went down a path of avoiding pretty much all processed foods because I started to, you know, be scared of all of the chemicals and ingredients. I started to buy completely organic because I was scared of the pesticides. I switched out my personal care products and stopped using normal deodorant and shampoo and conditioner because of the fragrances and all the scary ingredients that that I was told were going to harm me from these sites. So that was something that for the next couple of years, I slowly started to fall deeper and deeper into this this alternative health narrative that everything was harming me that I had to avoid you know anything that was a quote unquote chemical and this went on through a lot of my mid 20s so through the rest of my master's program I was getting deeper and deeper into this I went straight into a PhD and I started to learn more about nutrition and so at that point in time I also read a bunch of books so that was when I started just reading every nutrition book that I could. And I've read, of popular nutrition books, I've read over 100. I've read the gut balancing books, the hormone balancing books, you know, the vegan books. And the vegan ones were the first ones that I started to read in depth. And there was a period of time after that, because I had moved to a more plant-based diet and I felt better digestive-wise, I was very susceptible to thinking that, okay, maybe just all plants are the answer. So I read the China study and a few other books from various vegan doctors. And I started to believe that meat was going to harm me and I had it to go completely vegan. And so I did that at the beginning of my PhD. I was completely vegan. I did that for like six months and did not feel well. So I'm six foot one. I'm very active. I had a significant amount of muscle mass. I lost some of that, but I went whole foods, you know, plant-based vegan without oil, which is what a lot of these doctors recommend. And for me, I just couldn't eat enough. So I lost probably 20, 25 pounds over a period of time, along with muscle because I couldn't eat enough. I did not feel well. I wasn't recovering from exercise the way that I was before. I was more tired throughout the day. And this was following information that seemed to be incredibly credible to me at that point in time. And, you know, these individuals were doctors and they were, you know, trying to educate people. And this was a point in time where I used to read books thinking I was learning new information every time. And if if you guys haven't seen, I posted something on my Instagram recently, like books become bestsellers not because they provide new information. They become bestsellers because they have, they provide a magic secret that causes people to purchase them on first glance. If they don't have that, it's going to be hard to become like a New York Times bestseller if you don't have a compelling enough secret that you're sharing with people. So I did that and that didn't work out for me. I thought that I was like, there's something wrong. Added in a little bit of like eggs and a little bit of dairy. Felt better doing that. 
And there was a, probably another six months where I didn't eat any animal products or any meat. I would just did a little bit of dairy, a little bit of eggs. And then finally, after I started reading the research and actually looking at the data on this topic, I felt comfortable enough to add back in these animal foods. And I felt better when I did. And the reason being is I just couldn't eat enough and couldn't get enough protein to recover from the type of exercise and training that I normally do on that type of diet. You know, eating 3,000 calories a day and 200 grams of protein or 150 plus grams of protein was very challenging on a completely whole foods, plant-based diet. And that ended up negatively impacting my health. And so this was one, this was like one of the first aha moments for me where I believe something that I read in books or read on a website and have found out that, okay, this is not entirely true. I was misled in the way that this information was presented to me. And from there, as I went through my PhD, started reading more and more studies, started to develop understanding of various bodies of literature on different topics, I started to recognize the disconnect between the information that was given in books and the information that existed in research. And so this was a period of time for me where I started to basically let go of some of these beliefs. And there was a long period of time where I would almost be afraid to eat non-organic food. I would only purchase organic for the most part. And when I did have to purchase like non-organic, I was, it caused me a little fear and a little discomfort, which is silly until I read the research and I was like, okay, there's, this isn't necessarily something that's dramatically different. And these are why I talk about some of these things so often on my social media. And sometimes we'll talk about that stuff on here as well is because I understand how convincing some of this stuff is. And I understand the negative impacts that it can have. And so this was my entire PhD was just kind of unlearning some things. And even after my PhD, like I still didn't, because I didn't study, you know, personal care products and the quote unquote chemicals and ingredients that are using those things. I was still you know, kind of scared to use like a regular deodorant, regular shampoo and conditioner. Like I, I had developed such strong beliefs around how these things may be harming me. And this is why I get it. And this is why I try to talk about this stuff and try to help people kind of see through some of this misinformation is because I've been there completely. And beyond that, something that, you know, kind of opened my eyes even further is when I first started working with clients. And so I started working with clients after I finished my PhD, I did a one year, almost a full year postdoc. I left that because I knew that academia wasn't the route for me. I started coaching clients, started running group programs, started working with dads and moms and various types of group fitness programs. And I started running into these same things, you know, people who believed all of these things and had a very hard time dropping those belief systems. So people were just terrified of carbs or terrified of you know, whatever food that they were told is harmful for them. And this was continue to be in many cases, one of the major barriers for change for a lot of people is believing things that weren't true, that complicated their lives further. And so that experience further kind of cemented why I think it's important to talk about some of these things. But even more so than that was a couple of other things that I did 
when I first got online or actually a couple of years into it, I joined a marketing program and this was meant to teach me how to quote unquote, get my message out. And I realized very quickly that what a lot of these people were doing is just unethical. And so as a part of this program, they taught a formula of, you know, identify people's pain points. So first, like figure out what people are worried about, what keeps them up at night. So if someone with digestive issues, they're, you know, worried about going out and dealing with digestive issues while they're out with a significant other, things like that. So identify their pain points and then make them worse. So once you identify what their pain points are, talk about how terrible they are and talk about how absolutely terrible their life must be having to deal with this stuff. And then once you make their pain point worse, then you offer a solution. And as a part of that, one of the other things is you tell them it's not their fault and you blame someone else. So you blame big pharma, you blame their doctors, you blame anyone else who you can create and craft as a bad guy. And then after that, you sell them your solution. You say, big pharma is lying to you, but I have gone through a journey of learning the answers. And I can provide you these answers if you schedule a call with me or if you watch my webinar, which is going to invite you to schedule a call with me afterwards. And this formula, I noticed very quickly, is being used all throughout the social media and just marketing in general, primarily directed towards vulnerable individuals. So if you have cancer, if you have a digestive issue, if you have hormonal issues, this formula works really well at getting you, number one, to feel like you absolutely need to do something, and number two, feeling like, oh, this person has an answer for me, and it's different, and it's it's new. And I was very bothered by that. And working in this field over time, I started, because I started reading a lot about digestive issues. I got a couple of clients who had digestive issues and I was able to help them because I had some experience in that with my own journey. And over time, I started working with more and more people with digestive issues. And something that I realized along with that is that many of them had been, they had been manipulated by this type of information and they had been given, you know, been this like type of advertising was used on them to get them to buy into various things that weren't best for them. And I would, I can't tell you how many stories I have of clients who have seen a naturopath or a chiropractor or a certified nutritionist and who have been put on completely unnecessary detoxes and supplements and cleanses and highly restrictive diets. And this seemed to be the norm. It seemed to be something that was just most people who, if you had a digestive issue and you were seeking advice outside of the conventional you know, medical model, you were going to get roped into false promises to exaggerated claims and to this very clever marketing strategy to pull you into these things. And this is something that just 
just bothered me because it's so prevalent. And many people, we don't hear about it online. These people, when they go and sign up with this functional medicine doctor and spend $5,000 on testing and supplements, they don't go rave about it. They feel, they feel bad. They feel like they got scammed and you don't go around telling everyone about that. Now, on the other hand, if you did that and you happen to feel better, that provider or that practitioner will take your testimonial and blast it everywhere. And they'll never talk about the other five people who spent a lot of money, did a bunch of things that made them worse. And those are the people that reach out to me now and that started to reach out to me a few years ago. And by this point, I've heard so many stories with different health issues of this occurring. And this is, you know, because I went through it to a certain extent myself in terms of like falling into the wellness industry misinformation and then seeing the predatory practices that a lot of these alternative health practitioners utilize to get people to pay for things that aren't evidence-based. That's why I talk about this a lot. That's why for those of you who follow me on social media, you'll see I try to help people understand these things because they're so prevalent. They really are. And I fell for it myself and I had a master's degree and I was working on a PhD. I finished a PhD and still believe some things that weren't entirely true because I was just fear-mongered to believe these things. And once you're told, especially like I had a kid, that was when I really got like no chemicals in the house, no cleaning products, no personal care products, none of that. Because when you go out and try to get information from these sources, they know that fear sells. So they lead with fear. They lead with this chemical is going to kill you. This chemical is going to kill you. And if you eat this food, it's going to kill you. And I really wanted to share this story with you all. to number one, help you understand like kind of what got me into this field. But number two, help you understand like why I'm so passionate about helping people get out of that space, about helping people not be stuck in these fear-mongering claims that are promoted by wellness influencers, helping people not be preyed upon by marketers who know that you're struggling with a health issue and you're desperate. And so they know they can just charge you a bunch of money for some secret solution. That's why I talk about these things. And I've been there. I've seen it firsthand in myself and with clients over and over and over again. And my hope is that by talking about these things, I can help consumers to be more savvy in the information that you allow in and the people that you work with, because the reality is that nutrition is an incredibly powerful tool. The clients that I work with now, I can help many clients with different digestive issues without doing crazy detoxes or any of that, without doing, you know, cleanses and detoxes and eliminating all the food from their diet, because there's evidence-based approaches for all of this. And we're at a point now where we have a lot of great science to help guide nutritional practice. And if you're working with a science and evidence-based practitioner, they can often help you without doing all that. And 
one of my clients, we were having a conversation and she was like, oh, it's funny. My husband, you know, said that I paid you a lot of money just for you to tell me these basic things. And I said, you did, but the reason that you're paying me a lot is because I'm not going to do things that are unnecessary. My qualifications allow me to, in my experience, allow me to find the lowest hanging fruit that is going to make the biggest difference and help work through that and get improvements that way, as opposed to giving you 35 supplements and putting you on a restrictive diet and hoping for the best. And that happens way too often. And so I just wanted to share this story. I know this is a little bit different than a lot of my podcasts, and I probably won't do one like this where I'm talking about myself in this way and my own story, but I've had a, a few requests, especially because I mentioned that I went through an anti-pharma journey myself where you know it took me 10 years to really say, okay, doctors don't know it all, but they are an important resource in managing your health. And maybe you don't rely on them for everything, but definitely avoiding pharmaceuticals and doctors is not the way to go. It doesn't have to be black and white. There's value in pharmaceuticals. There's value in MDs. There's value in these things in the right circumstances. It's just a matter of understanding and being educated yourself to help make better decisions about what you can do. Because I hear this often still, and it bothers me still, is there's many people dealing with health issues, specifically digestive issues, where nutrition does play a large role. And they're often told by doctors that it doesn't and that there's nothing they can do nutritionally. And that's not the case. And so unfortunately, the training for MDs on alternative nutrition and exercise and lifestyle interventions is very minimal. And sometimes they, they can't provide the guidance that you'd like to get through that avenue. And that's where a qualified nutrition professional can really help. And I wish... I would have known better back then because I did, you know, I cut out gluten for a while. I cut out dairy for a while. I only ate organic. I was scared of GMOs, like you name it. I've done almost all of it in terms of, you know, misleading nutrition information. And it just took me time to break out of it. And it took a lot of learning, essentially. Like it took me just reading paper after paper after paper and saying, okay, That's not entirely true. This is why they're saying this. I understand why these claims are being made, but they're lacking context. All right. So hopefully this episode was entertaining, if not anything else, informative, you know, kind of eye-opening, help you kind of understand where I, where my journey has gone, where I came from in terms of, you know, first getting into the space and then really understanding the value of evidence and science and why I'm so adamant about speaking out against misleading information and helping people identify and avoid this type of misleading information. So that's all I have for this episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. As always, if you'd like to support the show, head over to the show notes and you can find links to support the show via one-time donation through PayPal or monthly through Patreon. I really appreciate everyone who's donating and helping support the show. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. I hope you all have a great week and we will talk soon. 